I have to say that I struggled with the message today. And I'll share why I struggled with the message. Because we've entered into the Torah portions about Joseph. And we've traversed from Adam to the generations to Noah to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we're coming to the end of the book of Genesis, the book of Bereshit. And uh, we come to the final journey, and it's the journey of Joseph. And why would I struggle with giving a message on Joseph? The reason I struggled with giving the message on Joseph is because I've shared about Joseph a gazillion times before. See, there's this thing in Messianic Judaism where we know that Joseph is a foreshadow of Messiah. It's something that I don't know if it's common in the churches, or if that revelation has been given in churches, I don't know. I didn't grow up in a church. Uh, I found Messiah, and he found me in a Messianic congregation. And before that, I was just an atheist. And days before that, I would go to Jewish synagogue on Christmas and Easter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just seeing if you were listening. <laughs> but in the Messianic world, this connections between Joseph and Messiah, and Joseph and Yeshua, it's pretty well known. So I read it, I'm like, oh yeah, 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 Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. But I don't want to just regurgitate. When Adonai called me this rabbi thing, I didn't ask for this job. I know that's right, Rabbi. I didn't ask for it. Hallelujah. And there could have been a part of me that says, you know what, I'm just going to make this as simple as possible. There's a part of me that could have said, and probably did say a few months ago, oh, you know what, it's time, I'm just going to like find some sermon online and just freaking say it. So I get the heck out of here as soon as possible. Because I didn't ask for this job in the first place. <laughs> but I didn't know that Adonai was putting me on the altar of sacrifice. And when I finally resigned to Adonai's will about this thing, what Adonai told me and I felt strongly about is just put your foot forward. Just put your best foot forward using a human expression. Whatever that means. It's like the loaves and the fishes. We know the story of the loaves and the fishes, where there wasn't enough to feed, so they just brought what they had. But Yeshua did the miracle. He expanded yeah. what was brought. Brought we bring what we have, however little it is, and let Adonai do the rest. And if I brought some message that I just found online just to get this thing over with because I didn't ask for the job, I wouldn't be bringing my loaves and fishes. I would have been bringing somebody else's loaves and fishes. And it would have been detestable to the Lord. So even in that, in bringing forth my loaves and fishes, when it comes to giving a word, I couldn't, in my heart, share just what I've shared before. It's worthy, though, of repeating as ancillary information. So I will share a little bit, a little bit, 
about the connection between Joseph and Yeshua. And how it's not just a picture of a guy who got, was hated and just went to Egypt and all this stuff happened. It is a picture of the salvation and redemption yes. and the calling back of my people, the children of Israel. Yes. From the stories in Genesis, from Let There Be Light to the end of the book of Genesis, within that is the entire picture of the scripture from Let There Be Light to the end of Revelation. In that story, from Let There Be Light to the end of the book of Genesis, before the stories continue with the Exodus, is the full picture of God's redemption of mankind, which is in the book of Revelation. And it ends with the ones that rejected Messiah in the first place being found by him again, and the ones that were grafted in originally, not even grafted, they're part of the natural olive tree. We know the natural branches and how Paul said that they would be grafted back in. Yes. That happens at the end of the story. And that happens at the end of the Bible. And that happens at the end of the book of Genesis. So the book of Genesis is a little, little foreshadow of the whole thing. So what happens with Joseph and how it, how it connects to this, I will share as ancillary information to what Adonai wants to say to you and minister to your hearts about this Torah portion, which I've never shared before. Okay, so real quick, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. <gasps> Joseph said to his Jewish brothers, the 12 tribes of Israel, I'm going to be king over you. I had a dream that you're going to be bowing down to me. And even Jacob, my father, who represents all of Israel, because his name was Israel, is going to bow to me. Israel's going to bow to me. Who does that sound like? Messiah. So what did the children of Israel say? No, 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 no. I don't think so, dreamer. How about we get together and conspire to kick your butt out of here? In fact, to kill you and put you in a tomb, which is a pit, that's where they put him. So the children of Israel conspired, just like they did with Yeshua. But they didn't actually lay a hand on him. They actually handed him over to the Ishmaelites to do the thing. Just like they were, he was handed over to the Romans. And he was put into a pit, a tomb. And then the children of Israel went to the tomb, went to the pit, and the stone was rolled away. Because Yeshua was no longer in the tomb, and Joseph was no longer in that pit. But, nonetheless, the children of Israel figured they did what they set out to do. All right, he's dead. He's gone, we did it. Let's just make some plot, you know, with the coat, and dip it in some blood, and send it back to the father and say, look, we did it. We killed the son. There's revelation in that too. But he wasn't really dead. Just like Yeshua wasn't really dead. And what happened to Joseph is he became in charge, like second in command, in this other nation, outside of the land of Israel, 
you know, he was in charge of everything, yet he was second in command. It's like father's son. The son's in charge of everything, yet he's obedient to the father. Do you understand? Yes. Yes. So that's where Joseph was. And Israel thought, we, we took care of this problem. But really, he was very much alive. And a leader over this just non-Jewish nation that was kind of out of, out of the promises and out of the covenant. Together here? Yeah. And even even the story in and in, in the in the in the jail, you know, when, when Joseph went down to, to the jail, to the prison, the story of the baker and, and the and and the and the one that pours the wine, the two other prisoners, that's Yeshua also. Because one was hung on a tree and and, 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 and birds came and ate the bread off his body. And Yeshua said, my body is bread for you. Eat my bread, eat my body, my flesh is bread. And one of them was, was returned back to the king who to, to pour wine. Yeshua did both these things. So even then, it's a foreshadow of Yeshua, even that. So then he's in charge here in this land of Egypt. The children of Israel are like, okay, they're just doing their sheep thing. You know, they got the shears going and they're doing whatever, you know, with the crops and the sheep and just living their lives. And then, at the fullness of time, a famine came to the world. And this is when he gets to the end of the story. Because that's a foreshadow of a famine that is coming to this world in the fullness of time. And it says it wasn't just a famine in Egypt, and it wasn't just a famine in Israel, it was a famine in the world. So Joseph, who saw this in, in, um, in the vision, he was told by his, his, the one he reported up to, had this dream of it, and he translated it. Joseph started to collect grain, and he started to prepare for this thing, right? And at the end of the story, we know that the children of Israel were starving because of the famine, and it even says that all nations went to Joseph for food. And Israel was the last of the nations to go, last of all the world, to go to Egypt for food. But they eventually, the children of Israel went to Egypt. And they said, we're hungry, I hear there's food here. And in the fullness of time, this Joseph told everyone to leave. And he took off his Egyptian garments. Right now, Yeshua, Jesus, has Egyptian garments on. That the children of Israel, they don't recognize him. They think he's an Egyptian lord. He's, but the time is coming when the children of Israel, in a state of hunger, will come before the king. And the king will take off his garments. And he will say, I am Joseph, I am your brother. I am Yeshua, I am your brother. And all this grain that he's been storing up was for them. It was all a story. It was something that Adonai was preparing to restore the ones he called from the, in the first place, who rejected him. But God created this beautiful, beautiful music, this beautiful story, this beautiful play, where they would eventually come to him in starvation. And he would reveal himself to the children of Israel. And there'd be reconciliation. Amen. So that is the summation of the story that I've said a million times. 
So everybody understand that? Yes. Can we move on? Hallelujah! Thank you. So I was asking Adonai, I don't want to talk about this. I've talked about it already because eight times. Every time Sue Samuel and I go to minister in music at some church somewhere in whatever state, it often comes out because I've never heard it before. I didn't want to say it. So I'm like, Adonai, give me fresh bread here. Adonai, give me, some, give me something fresh here. So I was looking through the story of Joseph, and all of a sudden I noticed something. That smack in the middle of the story of Joseph is what seems to be a left turn to this weird story of his brother Judah. Yeah. And it's right in the middle of the story. Like all of a sudden, this is an incredible story of Joseph, and he was cast out in Egypt and all this stuff, and it's this incredible story that ultimately comes to the redemption of the children of Israel, and right in the smack in the middle of the story is the story of Judah, this mess up, who does all this wacky things, and his wife, and his, and, his, and his kids, and his kid's wife, and all this kind of thing, and I was like, there's something there. There's something in this story that equates to the whole picture here. And there's something that Adonai wants to share through it. And there is something that Adonai wants to share through it. And I'm going to start sharing in the story of Joseph, we're going to take this left turn and we're going to take a drive with Adonai. Yeah. In this story of Judah. Mm -hmm. All right. Messiah, son of Joseph. Messiah, son of David. Mashiach ben Yosef. Mashiach ben David. Have we ever heard of those terms? Yes. In Judaism, they look at the scriptures. Okay? They look at the, the Old Testament, the Tanakh. Okay? The Old Testament is called the Tanakh. And they look at it, and they're like, they want to see the Messiah. So they see a couple of pictures. This is just traditional Judaism, where I came out of, where my family still is. They look at the, they look at the scripture, and they're like, okay, I, I see a couple of different pictures here. I, I see Messiah is going to come at the end, this, this, this king who's going to come and he's going to redeem the world. I see it in scripture, but I also see this other lowly Messiah in it that's going to die. And they're like, well, how did these come together? So in Judaism, there's two Messiahs. I don't know if you knew that. But in Jewish thinking, there's two Messiahs. And they call it Messiah, son of Joseph, and Messiah, son of David. Messiah, son of David, is the king that's going to come at the end. And Messiah, son of Joseph, is this, is this, is this um, strange character this mysterious character who's the Messiah but dies. So they see these things, but they say, well, logically then it must be two Messiahs. And what they think, which is not right, what they think is that at the end of, the, end of the age, the end of time, there's gonna be this Messiah son of Joseph that's gonna come, who's gonna be this righteous guy, right? And he's gonna be slaughtered. He's gonna be um, a martyr. And he's gonna cause all the Jews to repent. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't know. And they're going to cause them to like live righteous lives, and that's going to bring forth Messiah, Son of David. Okay, I'm just sharing what our people think. Okay, but there is reality in this Messiah, Son of Joseph, and Messiah, Son of David. They got that right. And it's interesting that in this story, in the story of Joseph, which was a foreshadow of the end, there are two main characters: Joseph and Judah. Judah is the ancestor of David. 
of Messiah. So those are the two main characters in this story. So I think it's an incredible thing that here at the end, the two main characters are the son of Joseph and the son of David. You know what I mean? Are you with me on this? Okay, hang in there, hang in there. All right, so J Judah, 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 Judah. Okay, so here it comes. The story takes the left turn. Judah is, he's somewhere else, okay? He's left his family. And it says in some, some scriptures or some translation says he, 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 he went down from his family, which means like he just kind of went away. But other translations say that he was actually demoted, that went down, the word down, the word down. They say, look, he was demoted from his family. And it says he turned aside, turned away, all right? And he went to the land of Canaan, and he took a Canaanite wife. And I have to tell you that Judah, he was messed up at this time. Why did he leave his family? Why does it say he turned away? Why does it say that he was demoted? He went down from his family. And I'm, I'm reading into it a little bit here, but I believe that because of the situation with Joseph, and because of the devastation that happened to his father, and the misery that he caused, you must understand that Judah is the one that had the royal line. Okay? He's the one that Messiah was eventually to come forth through his loins. Whatever a loin is. Um. I don't like when they talk about loins with men. It makes me feel like a steak. Um. Like a sirloin or something like that. There it is. Tenderloin. Tenderloin. Oh. Where was I? So Judah was a leader in the family. You must understand this because they knew and the father knew that he was the one that, that, that the anointed seed was going to come forth out of. Okay? He was the leader in the family. And this Joseph, they thought, was dead. Blame went on to Judah. Because he was the leader of the family and he screwed up. Okay? And I tell you that Judah did not take it well. He just left. He left his family in a state of misery, and he left his family in a state of rejection. And that's why it says he was demoted and turned aside. And I tell you, it says he went to Canaan and he took a Canaanite wife. I tell you, that's, that represents a sinful life, the way it was, because back then the children of Israel, they needed to marry within the confines of their family, you know? So he married out of, like, unequally yoked, right? Living this life over there, and he was destitute. Judah was destitute. He was an outcast. He screwed up. And he couldn't get this weight, this yoke of screwing up and really just messing up his dad. He couldn't, he couldn't get over it. So he just says, well, forget it. I'm just leaving, and I'm just going to go do my thing. Right? He has a kid. The kid winds up being evil. We know the story, right? He takes a wife, has a kid. He gets a wife for the kid. Tamar is her name. She comes into the story. But the kid's evil. He gets zapped, right? I'm not, I'm not just... <laughs> takes him out, right? It doesn't say what this child did. Um, you know, maybe it's related because King David's first child, you know, had to die. It was in relation to that. I'm not sure, you know? Um, so anyway, so he's all messed up. Now he has a kid. The kid is evil. Right? He gets whacked. Okay? Second kid comes along. Here's poor Tamar. Okay, she just wants to get married. And this poor girl, I mean, I'll tell you one thing about Tamar, Tamar, Tamar. She hit the family jackpot. 
We, Susie and I say that about the cats that we adopt. They hit the jackpot, because we're such a cat-friendly family. We got this little two-year-old cat running around the house. He's so happy, he can't believe he's out of the cage, and he's just running around the house. He can't believe it. Tamar hit the family jackpot. She didn't just get a chance to marry one of the children of Israel. She got a chance to carry the anointed seed. She was chosen by Judah, the one. So one of his kids is going to have it, and she's like, whoa. So she was going to be the forebearer, the one that the Messiah was going to come forth. She hit the family jackpot. Hallelujah. But here's her father-in-law who's a screw-up and is depressed and just left the covenant and is doing his own thing. So now it comes to her to marry one of his sons. He's evil. He gets whacked. And now the second one comes and he's supposed to marry her in his place and he, uh, you know, you know, he pulls a little coitus interrupt this thing. We're all adults here, right? Most of us? Yeah. <laughs> I had to put sheets in the laundry after that. Yeah. Right, that was gross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, you know, and there's, there's a whole lot of, you know, yeah. just uh, feelings. I mean, then uh, translations, mistranslations about what that was and what, what that second son did wrong. What he did wrong was that there's a scripture, every time you see somebody doing something wrong in the scripture, you know, what did he do? He got to check the Torah. Always. Because the Torah is, 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 that identifies righteousness. That identifies what is sin and what is not sin. So if God wipes somebody out, you got to look at Torah. Okay? And in Torah, what a brother-in-law is supposed to do, if there's two people married and the one, and this man, um, gets wiped out, the brother is supposed to go in and, and, and have a child with the one and make it and continue on the name of the deceased. And you must hear this in spirit, like all things in the Torah and the law, you must hear it in spirit. Because it's incredible revelation even out of Messiah. It's like the book of Ruth. That's what happened in the book of Ruth when Boaz, do we know the story of the book of Ruth? Yeah. Do I have to take another diversion? No. Okay, yeah, I can take another diversion. Don't no, no, take a diversion. Okay, okay, I can take a little bit of a diversion, okay? Ruth, right? So you have, in the book of Ruth, you have Elimelech and, Na and Naomi, they're married, right? Elimelech means Eli, my God, Melech, king. Okay? Naomi, and then word Naomi means is Ami, that's my people. Okay, you have Elimelech and Naomi, you have God married to his people. That's how it starts. Right? They have children together. The children take wives, the children die, Elimelech dies. Not that God ever dies, but it says there's a separation between the, God's people and God. Okay? They take wives from the nations, right? And there's two. There's one, uh, I forget her name, and then there's Ruth. Okay? One just goes back, says, you know what? Forget this, I'm out of here. And she goes back to her people. And then there was one, Ruth, who clung to Naomi, the Jewish people. Right? And so where you go, I will go. Yeah. We know that prayer. Right? In comes Boaz, the kinsman redeemer of the family of Elimelech, it says. Come on! Yeah. Are you with me on this? Yeah. Right? Takes, performs this type of marriage. Okay? Here's Naomi. Here's, here's um, her daughters-in-law. The sons die. Elimelech is gone. Here comes the relative, the Boaz. The, re the kinsman redeemer, a representation of Messiah, comes in, has, gets married, and has relations with this one from the nations, this Gentile woman, who has latched herself onto the Jewish people. They have a child, and they take the child, they bring it back to Naomi, and this is now yours. Yes. 
So you know, you can have it shut so that your name and the name of the deceased, who is Elimelech, who is God, his name can be propagated. Do you understand that? Yes. So we read it in the scripture and we're like, okay, this is weird. Brothers-in-law got to marry the wife. You know what I mean? You got to hear it in spirit. So when you see it in that story, you see what Adam is doing. It's all about redemption yes. through Messiah. Yes. So anyway, so, so now we have the second one. He doesn't perform that, you know, he doesn't perform that function. He gets zapped. Right? So again, Judah is all messed up. He's... He screwed up with his brother Joseph, booted out from his family, goes and marries some shiksa, as my mother calls her. Okay? Um, right? Has a kid, evil. Another kid, evil. They're gone. Okay? He's all messed up. Right? He's all messed up. And then, poor Tamar. He starts to blame Tamar. Right? And you gotta understand this even from Tamar's perspective. She didn't do anything wrong. She's a righteous woman, right? She came in, she, she hit the family jackpot, like I said, she was a righteous, righteous woman, she was no guile in her. She just wanted to have a baby. And with the anointed one, she wanted to bring forth the anointed one. She did nothing wrong, she was an innocent woman. So she, you know, but she just, her first marriage didn't work out, the guy was evil and God zapped him. So now she's a widow. And you must see what she was, what, how hard this must have been for her. So now all of a sudden, the second guy comes in, he doesn't want anything to do with her. He doesn't want to propagate this thing, right? Because he's selfish, it's not going to be his, it's going to be the, my dead brother's. So he doesn't really want her. Right? So this poor woman just lost her husband, the second husband doesn't even want her, and he gets zapped. Now, Judah is blaming her for everything. Because Judah says, hmm, there must be some curse or something on this chick. Because she married my first son, he died. Married my second son, he died. It's gotta be her fault. It's gotta be her fault. So this guy, who's all messed up, is now pronouncing curses over this innocent woman. Saying, my sons are dead because of you. And yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I got a third son. Okay, yeah, 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 just hang out in your widow's garments until he grows up. Yeah, I'll give it to you, I'll give him to you, right? Does he ever give him? No, okay, never planned on it. Because, from his mind, it was all her fault. And you must understand the brokenness, the absolute brokenness that was in, this, in, in, in these two. Here's Judah, who's just all messed up. All messed up. I mean, his wife, his wife dies, then he's seeing hookers, right? We know this, right? Because he went to Tamar, he thought she was a hooker, so obviously he was going to see hookers. I'm sorry, I'm just reading the scripture here. <laughs> All right? Don't blame me that we're talking about hookers and coitus interruptus. All right? I'm just reciting the story. Okay? But he was all messed up, and this poor woman was completely broken. Her husband's evil, didn't want her. Father-in-law saying it's all her fault, and stay a widow for the rest of your life, because I, I don't plan on giving you my third, because he's going to die because of you. Okay? You must understand the brokenness that was here. But then God, in this brokenness, in this place of destitution, God had a deliverance planned. Because within the sirloins of this man <laughs> was a seed, was an anointed seed. And that seed was coming out, no matter what. 
And that seed was completely unaffected by the lifestyle of the one Judah who carried the seed in his sirloins. Okay? It was unaffected. The seed was in him. He was a mess-up. He was a screw-up. He was a sinner. He's seeing prostitutes. His sons are evil. His family cast him out. The seed within him was still going to come out. The seed within him was still coming out. And what did he have to do when this happened? We know the story. He was going up from this place to that. And Tamar... Tamar said, I know that everybody's speaking curses over me. I know that people think everything is all my fault. I know that the deaths of my husbands, everybody's blaming me for it, like I'm like some witch or something like that. And I know I got these widow's garments on me and I was told I gotta keep them on like forever. But I see something in him. I know that the anointed seed is within this one. But he's all messed up. How do I get the seed out of this one that is all messed up? So this one, Tamar, who is a righteous woman, completely misunderstood and names were spoken over her, but she was yet a righteous woman, lowered herself to Judah's level. Because Judah was going to see prostitutes. So she said, I think the only way this thing's gonna come out is me. I'm gonna have to be a prostitute. So this righteous woman lowers herself completely and takes sin upon herself and puts this Short skirt on, or whatever the heck. Boots with heels, or whatever it is. And goes there and hangs out by the, you know, the well. The well. The sheep, or the. I don't know what's in the desert, there's nothing there. Hanging out. Puts a little veil over her face. And here comes Judah. Yeah, Judah, with all his sinfulness. Probably. Done this a hundred times before. Caesar is like, oh, you. Come here, into the car. No cars, no cars, sorry. She says, what do you got for me? Come on, man, cough it up. He says, well, way back home, where I'm hanging out these days, because I'm a cat, I'm an outcast, I got some goats. So how about you and me do our thing, and then I'll go back and send you a goat a little later. And she says, right, that sounds good. But what do you got now for a little ransom? What do you got for a little collateral right now? And what he had to give up, Tara is so awesome. It's unbelievable. It's not unbelievable, it's not a nice plan that the Torah has been just set aside by churches for 2,000 years because there's this misunderstanding that the law is dead and he like took the law upon himself on the cross so there's no more law and the reality is the law is very much alive he took the curse of the law upon himself and that does not mean the law is a curse it means that the punishments in the law he took upon himself that's what it means how can he, how can he 
cast out the law and say that the law is no more when Messiah himself said not one jot or tittle of the law will be removed. Hello? Pretty obvious to me. Anyway, 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 anyway. But the Torah is so beautiful. If we understand it in spirit, and what, it's, what Adonai is saying to us, even in this generation, in this last generation, it's, it's mind-blowing. Right? <laughs> All right. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Let's close the prayer now. All right. What did he give her? What did he give her for collateral? What did she ask for? His staff. His seal and his garment. And I tell you that these three things were equated to who he thought he was as the as the one that Messiah was going to come for, the royal line. The staff is his authority. We know that, right? Because like Moses with the staff, the raise your staff and the waters part. You Gandalf, you know, come on, say it with me. You, you shall not pass. pass. Right? You shall not pass. Wow. It's a staff represented authority. He had to give it up. His 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 seal is signet. It was like his signature. It identified him. He had to sign a document. That's what it was. Like this is me. His name. His name. Yeah. That's what it is. Had to give it up. His cloak. You know, there's two people that had cloaks in this whole story. Joseph and Judah. Yep. Messiah, son of Joseph. Messiah, son of David. They are the ones that had the cloaks in this story. He had the coat of many colors, jo uh, Joseph. Judah had a cloak, and it was a royal cloak. It was because it was his calling as the, as the one that the foreshadowed, the one that Messiah, the king, the true king, was going to come forth through him. So that was he had to give up. So all the things that, rep that he represented, what he was and what his line was going to be with the Messiah coming forth, he had to give it all up. Yes. And even the Jewish people, they have, they, they have an understanding of Messiah as the king with the staff and with the royal garment and with, and with, with, the, with the signature, you know? They, they have this vision of what Messiah is going to be. Right? But then it has to be given up at times because Messiah is something else. It's one who dies to save. Mm. So he had to give up. So Judah gave up all these things that identified him. That's all he had left. He screwed up. His family hated him. His family was his other family that came out from him was a mess. He's seeing prostitutes. Mm -hmm. And now he's got to give up these representations of who he's supposed to be. Of who he thought the Messiah within him was supposed to be. And he had to give all of that up. And Tamar had to come down to his level, to his level, to get this thing out. We have spoken for years in this place about going down to the level of the broken, of the destitute, of the sinful. To go down to that level, and you gotta hear this in spirit. We, we, we've done it, remember years ago, remember Rabbi Peter saying, all the pimps stand up, and then, there it is. And all the child molesters stand up and deep. <laughs> Hallelujah. And all, all the all the crackheads stand up. And at the end of the end of the service, everybody was standing. And it's not that they were in their lives because that's what Messiah did for us. Because the time came just like it was represented today for the judgment of the Father to come just like we saw today. And God said, where are the sinners?
am the crackhead. Yes. Made me be the crackhead. Can you yes. that picture again? Bring up that picture. Thank you, Lord. I am the crackhead. I am the prostitute. I am the pimp. I am the sinner. Yes. Let, it, let the judgment come on me so they can be set free. Yes. In this generation, Adonai is going to be calling the one that lives in us to do this again for the broken of this world. Yes. Look at this picture. you got to look at it a couple times. Yeah. It looks like this drug addict is shooting himself up. And what's Yeshua doing in back of him? That's his arm in his place. It's one of those, it's like a trick of when you look at it because it totally looks like his arm. He was got, I think he's got a tattoo. But it's Yeshua saying, this is mine. I will take this on myself. And that is what Tamar did. She lowered herself to his level to bring forth the king. When is somebody, when is the day that somebody's going to go on the streets and suck down some cough medicine so this king can be set free? Oh my gosh, now I know what Rabbi Peter always said, you got to hear this in the spirit because my flesh is going, you didn't just say that, did you? <laughs> you got to hear this in spirit. Who is going to come down to the level of the broken? what Tamar did, this righteous woman. She didn't say, well, I'm just going to wait for Judah right. to be righteous and repent. Right. And then maybe something's going to happen where this thing's going to come forth. She had to go down and lower herself to that level. Thank you, Father. And Judah had to give up his whole identity and his understanding of what it meant for the anointed one to come forth. And at the end of the story, what happened at the end of the story with Joseph? And what happened that made Joseph, who's a foreshadow of the king, Messiah, take off his Egyptian garb and reveal himself as who he really is? Judah sets center stage again. Because Messiah, there was this reconciliation of the children of Israel now before Joseph, but Joseph didn't yet reveal who he was. And they didn't seem to have a really good relationship anyway. Because like Joseph's like sending him into jail and then accusing him of things, taking things that they didn't really take. But it was a setup. Because at the end of it, his brother Benjamin, who was the least of the brothers, Yeshua said, what you do to the least of my brothers, you do unto me. Who was the least of the brothers? Benjamin. He was the youngest. And even later on, he was the least of the tribe. Even King Saul said, I'm from the least of the tribes, Benjamin. You know? So Joseph says, I'm taking Benjamin. And then Judah, this broken man, this outcast of a guy who was living very sinful lives, with a very sinful family, this second family. Probably in just a moment of brokenness, but after he gave up his identity of what this Messiah in him was really supposed to do, said, no, no, king of Egypt. Let 
my younger brother go and take me in his place. That's what he said. And then the spirit of Messiah, which is said since before the foundations of the world, what you do to the least of my brothers, you do unto me, manifested and came alive in that moment. And it was at that moment where Joseph pulled off his garment and pulled off his mask and pulled off the things that made him look foreign. And reconciliation was made. And salvation came to the world. And he fed the world because the famine came to the world and he fed the world. <coughs> Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Baruch Hashem. It's good stuff. Yes. Thank you. It's good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Some of you may feel like that guy today. And Adonai is calling you to take your signet ring, your staff, cloak, and your cloak, and put it aside. Your understanding of what your anointing is, and put it aside, so Adonai, so the so the anointed seed can come forth from you. Some of you relate to him. Some of you are saying, there is one I know, and Adonai is calling me to lower myself. Some of you relate to Tamar, this woman who is an outcast, who was, had curses spoken over her wrongly, and had family that just, you know, mistreated her. Some of you may relate to that. But I tell you that the seed is going to be birthed through you. And it may come with pain, just like her sons, Perez and Zerah, wrestled as they came out. It's nothing, nothing, nothing is going to stop the King of Glory, the anointed seed, coming through you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So whichever one in the story you relate to today, Come forth as we take up our offering, and even after that, leave it here on the altar. When I release you with a blessing, you can continue to have music playing, so Adonai can minister to you as a midwife. Get this thing out. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.